friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. This is Tim and Friends for January 17th, 2023. I am Tim McCallum, digital producer slash Co-host Jesse Rubinoff joins me as always as we hope that your game day starts right here on Tim and Friends. That game day includes Leafs and Panthers Sportsnet Ontario tonight. I don't know if you noticed this, Jesse, but Tampa starting to creep up on those Toronto Maple Leafs as they face the Panthers tonight. Judging by that face, judging by that look, you know that already. I knew that. And I'm just reiterating-ish that you yeah. don't need. Well, they're still playing each other in the playoffs regardless, right? That's locked in. We've established that. So we're just playing 40 home games ice. for home ice? Yeah, sure. <laughs> That's it. Kraken and the Oilers are on Sportsnet West. Also, region and the Raptors amidst just, just a couple of rumors today trying to go back-to-back -back against the Knicks and the Bucks. Giannis will miss his fourth straight game as the Raptors look for their fifth win in six games. Is that good for Raptor fans? Something we'll examine in First Things First with that man right there, Jesse Rubinoff, and Michael Grange, who will join the show. Like this, it's It's... 2023 like imagine a segment of a Raptors fan base wondering if winning is a good or a bad thing like seems like a sign of the evolution of sports fandom no yeah there's no patience anymore right there's no patience I don't even know if it's no patience but fans understand the rebuild mm. so that like that would denote patience but there's no patience for middling is right. kind of where I'm at. Yes, no question. Like, it's, it's almost as crazy or unbelievable as a show called Milf Manor. Excuse me? On the Learning Channel. That's a thing? Did you see this yesterday? What are we doing Debut here? on national television, a show called Milf Manor on the Learning Channel. That's also milf? 2023. Can you even say that word? It's a show on TV! <laughs> On the Learning Channel. What does it mean? Never mind. No, 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 no. All right, you take no, the good no, no, with no, the no, bad no. in 2023. <laughs> Hopefully, I'll do the same with my performance today. Take the good with the bad. Justin Dunk on the NFL, the future of Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and Nathan Rourke, the Canadian. That's right, kids. Nick Caprios on the return of Evander Kane to the Oilers lineup. The Leafs and Canada's new favorite game show, Smoke or Fire, all on the way for this Tuesday. But we kick off the festivities with Jesse and First Things First. So don't sweat the technique, Ali Hajishik. Wow. Whoa. First things first. First. The kickers were in the news. I don't mm. know if you saw that. Kickers in the news. Yes. And whenever I think kicker, I think Ali Hajishik or Donald Iguibuke. We're going to get to that kicker that you just brought up, or one of them, in a second, that made the news. Yeah. We'll get to him in a kickers second. Kickers in the news. A little bit. Kickers in the news. A little bit. Let's talk about Dak Prescott first and the rest of the Dallas Cowboys, who won their first road playoff game in more than 30 years last night, dominating the GOAT, Tom Brady, and the Bucs in a 31-14 win. Dak Prescott passed for four touchdowns and ran for another as Dallas advanced to the divisional round where they faced the 49ers. And with the Bucs eliminated, once again, the speculation on Tom Brady's future begins. And before I ask you the question, you looked at me funny when I said goat. You don't think he's the goat? No, I was thinking about uh, something I was going to say a little later on when oh, okay. we brought up kickers. But 
just smiling in my own head. Oh, as you're I just like myself. your eyes were piercing through me. So. Uh, was that Brady's <laughs> last game in the National Football League last night? That was Tim McAuliffe thinking. Is there any question whether or not Tom Brady's the goat? No. That's so then, how could you even ask me that? No, well, you just you gave me a weird look. That's all. <laughs> it's just, it's just a, like that a, was just my wheels turning, yes, Jesse Rubin. Yeah. Those Hamster were wheels. Firing, yeah. Oh yeah, Hamster was firing <laughs> around. I'm wondering how I can get Dicker the Kicker into the <laughs> right. show. Right. All right. You need the uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't think so. But I don't know if you know this. Predicting the future of Tom Brady is somewhat difficult to do. Fool's like, errand. He, he, yeah, it is a fool's errand indeed. He has had a history of not letting you into that brain, and then when he does let you into the brain, he goes and does a 180. But the end of that presser, when he was talking to the media, and I know some folks just turned off the game, mm-hmm. went to sleep, may not have put on Twitter because it's a cesspool of divisiveness, but they may not have gone on to Twitter to see the end of Tom Brady's presser. So we're going to play it for you. And as we play it for you, understand, after we hear what he said at the end of this presser to the assembled ink-stained wretches, otherwise known as the media, we're all going to speculate on his future. I just want to say thank you guys for everything this year. I really appreciate all your effort, and I know it's hard for you guys too. It's hard for us players to make it through, and you guys got a tough job, and I appreciate all that you guys do to cover us and everyone who watches and is a big fan of the sport. We're very grateful for everyone's support, and, um, you know, hopefully, um, you know, I love this organization. It's a great place to be, and thank you, everybody, for welcoming me, all you regulars, and um, just very grateful for the respect, and I and, uh, hope I – Gave the same thing back to you guys. So thank you very much. Appreciate it. Hmm. Hmm. Is there a dun 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 key on that? Nailed it. Nailed it is right. Yeah. Speculate away. That looked like the end. I know there are going to be teams that attempt to convince them, and you and I can rifle through the teams that should attempt to convince yeah, Tom Brady, even at his age, mm-hmm. to come back and play another year, another two years, whatever you can do by eating all those avocados and drinking all that water. <laughs> yeah, we need to get on the TB12. But it plan. did seem like that was at least a goodbye to Tampa Bay. Yeah, I mean, maybe yes. a goodbye to the game. Did you hear in the middle of that where he sort of caught himself with a hopefully? Oh, yeah. He said hopefully, and it felt like he was going in the direction of, like, hopefully I'll see you guys around. Our sort paths of will cross yes. once again in yes. the near future. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it sounded like he was going that direction, and he realized what he was saying. And he obviously is someone who plays his cards extremely close to the vest. Mm-hmm. So he went in a different direction. But that felt like the end of Tom Brady in Tampa Bay for me. Uh, the, the one reason why I think it's possible we might have seen his last game in the NFL last night was because he has said in the past that he wanted to play until age 45, and this is his age 45 season. So if he's true to his word, this will be his last game. But there's going to be speculation until the cows come home. Tom Brady has not been true to his word in the past. Correct. <laughs> he retired for two months. Okay, so can the Raiders convince okay, him to come back this. to play with Josh McDaniels and I don't even know if the Raiders are good enough. I guess they got a good enough back if the back is going to stick around. Yeah. Uh, can the Jets do it? The, the sexy one for me is the Pats and whether or not a reunion with Bill Belichick could actually take place and he could go back to New England for one more year and, and do it again. And even Miami. 
Mm. The Dolphins, listen, I understand there are those out there that will say, yes, Tim, but what about Tua Tungavailoa? And I will respond to those people by saying, that's why I was so upset when he went back into the game and suffered another concussion. And I know we're talking about alleged concussions or reported concussions or however we put that, because in the end, Tua will be treated like a piece of meat because that's what they do to almost every football player in the National Football League. And if Tom Brady, who they were already accused of tampering with, says I might play one more year, Miami's a great fit for a very talented quarterback who can't really get it downfield but might be able to hit Tyreek Hill on crossing routes or Jalen Waddell on short little wide receiver screens that end up going for 90. That, uh, I think, nails it on the head. Okay, so you said the Pats would be a sexy place for him to go. Yeah, the the reunion with Bill Belichick would be very sexy to very many people. But if you could choose one place. If I'm the quarterback? Yeah, you would go to Miami. Yeah. It's yeah. remarkably disrespectful to Tua Tungavailoa mm-hmm. and what he's gone through this year, but that's the NFL. And everyone who says, ah, you got to look out for the best interest of the player, all of, that becomes horse bleep yeah. in moments like this because everyone's doing what you and I are doing and saying, wow, that would be a great fit for Tom Brady. Well, watching the game last night, it's like the one thing that stuck out is he had no time. Oh, the team sucks. Oh, team sucks. The team sucks. I acknowledge the team sucks, but he's waiting for these guys to get down the field and everything ended up being short. And they don't have the playmakers like the Dolphins had. And Chris Godwin's lost a step. He's had a lot of injuries. So you're watching the game, you're like, I'm envisioning Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle being those guys. He's 45 and threw it 66 times. He didn't play well last night, despite throwing 66 times. You didn't think he had a good game last night. No, the no. team is not good. No, there's, there's sub. We'll talk about this with the Dallas Cowboys. But you're saying Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill will oh, light this guy back up. It would be a dream for him. Because he just gets rid of it right away, like Tua does on his first read. Boom. Look around, look around, boom. Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill. There's another uh, quarterback who many people are, are speculating about. He's not the only one. So what if... Uh, I, feel, I feel remarkably disrespectful to Tua, even talking about why? Tom Brady to Miami. Well, I, he's gotta, it's not even a conversation for, for us to really have. It's up to him. Like, he's got to decide his health. Like, health comes first for him. On Tua? Yeah. You know what he wants to do. He wants to keep playing. Yeah, he came back and everyone celebrated him for coming back. But it might not though, even, do you think it's possible it's not even his choice at this point? Like, it's without potentially a doubt, three concussions. But we don't know that yet. Yeah. All right, uh, Pat McAfee, Aaron Rodgers goes on and says he hasn't made a decision. Yeah. So, <laughs> so there we are. So what about the Packers if uh, if Rodgers decides to hang him up Imagine and Tom Brady goes to Green Bay? Yeah, that is, oh, that is so, so good. good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so... Uh, we'll have to see how that plays out and how Brady's future plays out. But the Cowboys, what a performance last night. The, in your mind, are they Super Bowl contenders after what you saw from them last night? Who knows? But outside of the beatdown of Minnesota, which I don't know what that accounts for now, having seen them loss, lose at home to the New York Giants, outside of the beatdown of Minnesota about halfway through the year, that was the most complete performance of the year for not just the Dallas Cowboys, but that man right there, Dak Prescott, who accounted for five touchdowns and no interceptions, threw for four, ran for another. But let me remind you that this is a sub-500 team from a terrible division. So 
while we talk about Tom Brady, while we talk about the Dallas Cowboys, the context always is what I will go back to is that they played a terrible team. And I said that from the start of the year, they aren't as good as you think they are. I bet the under on wins, which was remarkably 11 and a half for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't know what to make of that performance other than you beat the teams put in front of you. And a lot of Dallas Cowboy fans were pooping their pants, including Donovan Bennett in this studio yesterday because of the way they finished the season. And the Dallas Cowboys survived and advance but if you think that tells me anything about what they're about to do against Brock Purdy and the San Francisco 49ers mm. you are sorely mistaken every time you think you know what the Cowboys are going to do which is what we talked about with Adam Rank they go and do something else and a lot of people thought last night they were going to poop their pants and they didn't that was a complete performance against what I believe to be a very subpar team maybe the worst in the playoffs yeah I don't know if it was a complete performance See Brett Maher last night? <laughs> they didn't round out everything. It wasn't perfect. Four missed pats. Actually, Does I he count play? five. Five missed pats because ESPN missed the fifth one. Does he play against the San Francisco 49ers? I feel like we're gonna we're gonna hear some random kickers on Twitter about them going to have a tryout and and potentially not. I saw a tweet from Morton Anderson. How old's he? Yeah. <laughs> no NFL kicker had ever missed more than three in a game. Brett Maher missed four straight extra points in that game he also missed one in his final attempt against the Washington Commanders yeah. in week 18 I do know this while he may have missed we did not miss much on our props piece over the weekend yeah, that's right on Friday Anthony Caminiti and the entire crew got together and laid out a few props I would just like to read them off so if you can get the check button ready, ready and the ant button ready I have that too we had six one from each game. Christian McCaffrey, over 74 and a half yards. That is a check, my friend. Christian Kirk, longest reception, over 21 and a half. That was our loss. Oh, no. I say our loss because oh, okay, okay, yeah. that was the only one. Dawson Knox, anytime TD. Yeah, you got two of them. TJ Hawkinson, over four and a half receptions. Easily. Jamar Chase, over six and a half receptions. Easily. Tom Brady, over 271 and a half yards. I was scared of that one. I shouldn't have been. Yeah. So we went five of six over the weekend and Monday on our prop picks. No pressure on the boys. So maybe tune in on Friday. No they're a little, pressure they're, on the boys. They're a little bit better. They were a little bit better than Jesse and I's picks against the spread. I, when we talked about Just it in the morning bit. meeting, they started sweating as soon as we said, you're going to need a follow-up for this weekend. So <laughs> best of luck to those. Hey, guys. listen, this is one thing that we can research. Do a lot. Like sometimes games, they don't follow the script. Usually players yeah. can follow scripts when That's we had right. that one, I'll tell you that much. All right, uh, we're done with the football chat for now. We'll continue a little bit later, but let's go to the Toronto Raptors who are in Milwaukee tonight to take on the Bucks. Giannis Antetokounmpo, as Tim mentioned, will miss his fourth straight game with left knee soreness. The Raptors have won for their last five after yesterday's overtime win in New York, but rumors continue to swirl around the team ahead of next month's trade deadline. What is the latest? What Timothy? isn't the latest is the question, Jesse Rubinoff. What isn't the latest? Shams Charania writing in The Athletic talked about a lot of things, including Freddie Van Vliet that caught my eye. Listen, there was some talk about Jakob Pertl in there and perhaps there, some yeah. Raptors interest mm -hmm. in Jakob Pertl, but that wasn't the headline for me. He talked about the Suns and the Magic emerging as we cycle through that mm -hmm. story mm -hmm. as 
potential free agent suitors for Freddie Van Vliet. Mm -hmm. Potential free agent suitors. Free agency. The trade deadline is less than a month away. Why is he talking about the summer in a story? And this is an honest question for you, Jesse. Mm -hmm. Why is he talking about the summer in a story about rumors in the NBA heading into the trade deadline? I don't know. I would I suggest to you, mm -hmm. I would suggest to you that Shams has heard some things and wondered what it might, there's some smoke going on here. Smoke or fire. We'll do it with Nick Kiprios a little later on. Nice. Good I'll ask him as an NHL insider, mm -hmm. when things like this come out, there's something more to the story. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's one or both sides trying to figure out what the value is long term for Freddie Van Vliet given the year that he has had. And listen, I don't know what the Magic are going to trade or want to trade for Fred Van Vliet. I know that his work ethic, his demeanor, his intelligence would add to the culture that they're attempting to build in Orlando. And I know that he would help the Suns sooner than he would help the Orlando Magic. I don't know if Fred Van Vliet wants to go to the Orlando Magic and help them build something there. But this, to me, reeks of more to the story and would lend me to believe, and this is just, this is my gut, this is not my inside sources, but this is my gut suggesting to you that maybe Fred Van Vliet is a little more available than some are suggesting right now going into the deadline, and this is the smoke that leads to that fire. Well, naturally, the next question would be, um, and I think I can bring Scotty Barnes into this conversation because he has turned it around a little bit, which leads me to believe that maybe the best direction for this organization is building around someone who is starting to find his footing once again and perhaps unloading some veterans that potentially could include Fred Van Vliet. Is that the correct direction for the team to go? Well, I mean, listen, uh, Brandon Scoop B. Robinson also suggested something along the lines of going another direction by saying that the Pelicans are interested in OG Ananobi and Gary Trent Jr. So if, if Scotty is indeed your centerpiece, then other pieces could go in the meantime, between time. I think, listen, we've heard enough about OG Ananobi. The entire NBA is interested in a guy who can defend be, the way yeah, yeah. OG Ananobi can under the contract that OG Ananobi is under. That's not rocket science. I think Gary Trent Jr., if they choose to go another way, is someone that's going to go. The one thing that concerns me right now, if you're among the Raptor fans who want the rebuild, is that they've played better of late. Mm -hmm. And as you pointed out, Scotty Barnes has been the centerpiece of that. There has obviously been a shift in the last little while to try and get the ball in his hands more often for him to do more damage. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if, listen, figuring out the NBA is very hard. And last year they didn't ask Scotty Barnes to do that. At the start of the year they did and he struggled. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, listen, it's not called a sophomore jinx for nothing. It is damn hard to figure it out. And I wonder if Nick Nurse and Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam haven't figured out how to unleash Scotty Barnes. And that's what you've seen over the last little while. Now, can he do it against good teams? We'll see tonight. That's three straight 20s or more from Scotty Barnes. And I wouldn't be surprised, and this may dismay, a few Raptor fans hoping for 
not just the retool, but the rebuild around Scotty Barnes, that they might not reel off a couple of wins here. Now, they play some tough teams. This is, I mean, Giannis isn't there tonight. You can see it. It's helpful for them. On the Sportsnet yep. family of channels. Uh, that could help the Raptors get a win back-to-back, Knicks and Bucks. You're about to see what it is. Look at this schedule. Only team under 500 is the Minnesota Timberwolves. Minnesota Timberwolves, one game below 500. It, there is a nice schedule here to see what you really got. If the Raptors reel off some wins, they bought, Yeah, they bought some. What they happens? bought themselves some time before the trade deadline to, if they want to go in a different direction, that's sort of up to the players, it would feel like. Do you believe that? I think if they play well enough, they can probably make a case, a pretty good case to the front office to try and make some damage in the playoffs. Doesn't mean that Masai and Bobby are going to listen to them, but it's possible. Uh, Michael Grange coming up a little bit later. We'll ask Michael. As we go to hockey. We'll ask Michael. I don't think he busy... agrees with you. No, he doesn't agree with yeah. me. No, he doesn't. He actually wrote an entire article, but I would disagree with him, basically. <laughs> it's a busy night in the NHL with eight games on the schedule, including an all-Canadian matchup in Montreal as the Jets look to keep rolling against the Montreal Canadiens. The Leafs will look to snap their two-game losing streak as they host the Florida Panthers. And in Edmonton, Vander Kane will return to the lineup as the Oilers host the Kraken. That's big. For the Oilers, Kane has been out since suffering that scary cut to his wrist on November the 8th. And earlier today, head coach Jay Woodcroft talked about the impact of his return. He comes to the rink every day with juice. Uh, he comes to the rink uh, with a passion for the game and his teammates. Um, you know, he's been traveling with us for quite some time because he likes being around our group um, and he provides energy. Uh, and he wanted to stay, keep his mind sharp as well as keeping his body sharp while he's been out. But keep his mind sharp. Um, I think, uh, you know, some people uh, only lead from the throat. Um, but I think when uh, the good part about Evander is that he backs it up with his play. He can really make a difference here, can he? Uh, yeah, you already said that this is a big deal. I said it was big. Uh, you're yeah. leading with that question. I lead. It, I led the witness. Is, is that when I say, here are the numbers with and without Evander Kane, and they're not much different? That's why it's Tim and Phil. <laughs> uh, the, the points percentage with and without. With Evander Kane, 571. Without him, 565. Listen, here's what it does. It eases the pressure. Mm -hmm. It eases the pressure on one Connor McDavid. And I don't know if you've seen this over the last little while, but we talked to him about it. Connor McDavid has been ridiculous. And when Evander Kane is in the lineup, it eases the need for Connor McDavid to be ridiculous, though I do enjoy it. I don't know if you'd look, but he's got 83 points in 45 <laughs> He's unbelievable. Games. He has so 83 fun. points yeah. in 45 games. In 2015, Jamie Benn led the league in scoring with 87 points in 82 games. I don't know Different where league. Kane slots into the lineup, and there's a lot of consternation in Edmonton about where he ends up. I got a feeling, folks, you don't need to argue about this because Jay Woodcroft will move him up and down based on what they need. And let me tell you something. The Kraken are not only good on the road, mm -hmm. they're the highest scoring team in the NHL on the road this season of one seven straight away from home. They might need Evander Kane to score some goals tonight. I know you're not really a fan of any team, 
but based on the last couple of weeks, you're starting to become a bit of a fan of the Seattle Kraken. I can hear it in your voice. No, and I just like numbers. being right, Jesse. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> I just I like being right, and every once in a while when I'm right, you separate just, your shoulder, pat yeah, yourself pat on the myself back. on yeah, the back, it. and I'm pushing yeah. the idea a little further that I may have been right about this. Yeah, I don't know where they'll end up. We'll this do year. a victory lap when I, they do win the cup. Just like balance. I like balance lineups. We'll go running around. We'll skip I like around balance lineups. Skip around, skip around the room. Skip around the room. Skip around the room. Won't shut up. All right, still to come. We'll continue skipping around the room. Leafs Panthers Sportsnet Ontario following us. Nick Kiprios will be in studio to tee it up. Plus, we'll do a little smoker fire with him. Michael Grange from Milwaukee disagreeing with Jesse Rubinoff as the Raptors look to win back-to-back -back games on the I don't believe what I said. I don't think I believe it. But are you backing off it immediately? We'll talk after to saying it? We'll talk to Michael. All right. Justin Duncan <laughs> studio. We'll talk about Tom Brady's future, Aaron Rodgers' future, Nathan Works' future as he moves to the NFL. It's Tim and Friends on a Tuesday. Let us go. For the first time in the Australian Open, Leila Fernandez books a place in the second round. A superb display of tennis. It was a shaky start, but then a very confident performance by the 20-year-old Canadian. Congratulations to Leila Fernandez. Extra point is pushed wide right. And now Maher misses again. In the end zone. Oh my God, got to be kidding me. I've never seen anything like it. Why are we kicking on? it? Why are we kicking it? Now the drama of Brett Maher trying to hit an extra point. And he has done it again. They might be looking for a kicker next week. It all comes down to what you do once you get into the postseason. That's real pressure on Dak Prescott. Protected, end zone, caught, touchdown. Dalton Schultz, second and goal, Brady pulls it down, now throws it, intercepted, and there is a red zone interception for Tom Brady, his first as a Buccaneer. Let's be honest, he looked like a 45-year-old quarterback. A total breakdown in coverage, and Dak Prescott has had a fantastic night. A dominant playoff victory tonight on the road in Tampa Bay. If, in fact, this is it for Tom Brady, all I can say on behalf of all football fans is thank you and appreciate the memories. What a career. I'm going to go home and get a good night's sleep as good as I can tonight. Maybe and, uh, time table or you, know, you want to figure stuff out? It's just be one day at a time, truly. Aren't we all, Tom? Aren't we all just one day at a time? <laughs> Justin Duncan, Studio 3 Down Nation, sports anchor, Here we go. all around football insider joining us in studio, much to the delight of Jesse Rubinoff. What's going on, Doug? I love Jesse, man. He's always got the clap. Bringing the energy, He's baby. Let's get after it. You always bring the energy, too. Do yeah. you feel like we have seen the end of Tom? Jesse asked me, I ask you, mm -hmm. where are you on the Tom Brady Career. Well, no, this is not the end. Oh, yeah? He's still playing at an elite level. I think it's the end of him in Tampa Bay because during that press conference, he thanked all of the local reporters there. <laughs> I don't think he's on his way out of Tampa because Giselle's not going to keep him there anymore. <laughs> so I think he's going to continue playing. He wants to be the guy as a positional player that plays in the NFL at 50 years old. And that plays into everything else he's well, he got going He said 45 on. to start. When is he changing this? How, how long can he go? Is he Gordie Howe? Yeah, it's a totally different era, and I don't think it'll compare to Gordie Howe because that was way before, but I think he can get to 50. He's still playing at a high level. Like, you look at the numbers from this season, 
and he's throwing the ball really well. He just doesn't have an O-line. There was never a consistent running game to support him. And Chris Godwin, one of his most relied upon targets, was out for a bunch of the season. And look at this. Trevor Lawrence, everybody's talking about this sophomore splashy season, how he took a big step. <laughs> Great and all, and he did. But look what Brady did. We just hold Brady to the super high standard that he better win the Super Bowl or it's a terrible season. He was third in the NFL in passing yards at 45. Like, what are we talking about here? On a Brady's team with still no among the line. elite. Exactly. Like, this is the crazy part of this entire situation for me. The reason why, and I told Jesse this off the top, I took the under on Tampa Bay wins was not because of Tom Brady and not because he was 45, was because there was no way to replace all pros on the offensive line. Mm -hmm. They were banged up. They lost significant pieces. You just can't repair that with a great quarterback. Like, if you put Lamar Jackson, if you put, I don't care, you put Josh Allen there, (laughs) it's going to be very, very hard to do. And that's why, if he so chooses, I think that he could continue playing. But I also think you don't want to go out by jumping to another team and having something go wrong. Like, those are some pretty good years in Tampa when all said and done. And he made chicken soup out of chicken poop this year Mm -hmm. in Tampa. And if he went out, I would have no problem with the way it ended for Tom Brady. This wasn't like all of a sudden it ended for other greats like Jerry Rice on the way out where the cornrows started back where Uncle Timmy's hairline is, right? (laughs) Like this isn't the same thing. This isn't greatness imploding. This is greatness still great. Still great. And that's why I believe that he's going to want to continue playing. Like, let's picture this, okay? We're all raving about Brock Purdy and what he's done with the San Francisco 49ers. Imagine Tom Brady was on that team. Do you think that they would go, I mean, listen, it's Kyle Shanahan's a good offensive schemer. He has figured out how to get the most out of the quarterback. San Francisco isn't part of that equation, are they? I don't necessarily think so, but I just mean picture him in that situation, right? A right. stout defense, playmakers, and a really good offensive line. So if he can find that elsewhere, I don't necessarily think that is the Las Vegas Raiders. No, I don't think so either. It's intriguing because of Josh McDaniels and his relationship there. But if he can find a spot, especially where he's going to be protected, that'll be key because you can yes. see it this season. He's used to hitting that back foot and getting rid of the ball in rhythm, but he hasn't even had that kind of time, whether it's even a shorter drop. Uh, Miami? <laughs> yeah, I know what you're going to say. It wasn't going to be sheesh. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, I said the same thing in the opening block. Uh, I, I can't, like, I don't even want to walk down because it's so disrespectful to Tua. But Love Tua. There's a lot of people talking about Miami because they were the team that tampered with them. And they have playmakers. The mm-hmm. offensive line was better. And again, picture Tom Brady in that game as a starter for the Miami Dolphins in Buffalo. The Dolphins win it. The Dolphins okay? win it. The Dolphins will be elevated if Tom Brady decides to go there. Uh, Dak Prescott, did you see some of the Dak doubters ditched? after last night's game, or is that subpar competition? A little bit, man. I think it's more subpar competition. This is not the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Jesse. defense that took apart Patrick <laughs> Mahomes in that Super Bowl. <laughs> I was big on that. <laughs> sucked into a Cowboys yeah. bet. <laughs> but this is the best game from Dak Prescott this season. I think part of the reason why is such a focal point on the run game with Tony, Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. But he threw the ball really well, and for me... The big takeaway was he threw well against 
zone coverage. And you need to anticipate when you do that. A couple of the touchdown throws that he had were against zone coverage. And of course, he's going to feed CeeDee Lamb the rock there. But I really like the rhythm, timing, and accuracy that I saw from Prescott against Tampa Bay. Yes, it's not great competition. It's inferior. But if you just take that away and look at the timing of his passing, the authority he threw the ball with, then that was the best performance from Dak. But He's got a much different test this week. Yeah, Sunday night against the San Francisco 49ers for the uninitiated. Uh, that's a completely different defense that he's going to face. I don't know what Brock Purdy will be able to do in game two against the Cowboys defense, but if they put up 20, 25 points with their defense, I think that's a safe lead against Dallas. Like, I'm, I am not convinced that what we saw from Dallas wasn't a bad team from a bad division. Plus, you got to factor in the Cowboys played the late game on Monday night. The yeah. 49ers played the early game on Saturday. Yeah, sure. And now the Cowboys got to go travel out to the West Coast. I don't think that's fair. I something, think that's something the NFL needs to look at and get it's great for TV. But I don't think it's fair in terms of competition to have that Monday night game. Uh, Giants-Eagles, what's the key for you in that game? In a team that looked really good on the road in Minnesota, taking on the one seed in the NFC. It's establishing Saquon Barkley. In games this year when the Giants have been really good, he's been able to run well. And Daniel Jones, it's cliche, but you can't turn the football over. I think we've seen this evolution mm. of him with Brian Dayball. Yeah. He's not the same type of quarterback as Josh Allen because he's not as physical as a runner. But he can run, and he's well, kind of Josh got that. Allen like on the weekend. It was. Yeah. He's kind of got that stature, but it's just a little different the way that he runs. But the key for me, again, and always when people out there watch the quarterback position, is the anticipation when they throw the football. Right. And we're seeing that from Daniel Jones because he's comfortable in the scheme, and he trusts these receivers around him, even though it's really largely a no-name group. Listen, it's going to be a very emotional weekend in Orchard Park. Bills, Bengals, I don't know what they got planned, but I know I'm probably going to cry. <laughs> that aside, Josh Allen can't play the way he like Daniel Jones out Josh Allen, Josh Allen this weekend. And if the Bills play the way that they played against Miami, it's over against Cincinnati. No, it would be definitely. Yeah. The Bengals are tough. I mean, I don't think they necessarily played super well against the Ravens either. But Allen's got to stop turning the football over. We talk about how great he is and throwing it down the field and making these big splashy plays, but throwing it short. And inside like this, and you're supposed to be the franchise guy, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, that just can't happen. He had the Miami Dolphins in the game against a quarterback who shouldn't even be on the field with him. So if yeah. he plays that way, the Bills will be out, and largely it'll be on Josh Allen's shoulders. All right, we'll have an eye on that. Uh, we'll have a eye on the Jacksonville Jaguars who go to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs. And speaking of the Jaguars, I know you spoke to uh, one of the newest members of the team, Nathan Rourke, ex of the BC Lions, Canadian kid getting a shot. Why Jacksonville, and do you like the move? Well, a lot of people on social media questioned why is he going to Jacksonville because Trevor Lawrence is there. So. In terms of why Jacksonville, it's the best place for him to develop. Doug Peterson, the head coach, has developed quarterbacks. He knows what it takes to be a good backup quarterback because he backed up Brett Favre, the guy that made Rourke fall in love with football in the NFL. And he can learn from Trevor Lawrence. But most importantly, it's a stable situation. Timmy, you know how important that is in all of professional sports. Rourke knows he can go there. He likes the offense. He can develop, get some great film. And then maybe one of those teams that he worked out for, if they get into quarterback trouble, they come and get him. So, right. yes, I do like the move. It's savvy. It's smart. 
regardless of what all those trolls say on social media. Yeah, there's, I couldn't believe the disconnect on social media. Like, he wasn't going to go start anywhere. Mm -hmm. It was all about a situation that he could... I get that some of them said, well, what about going to a spot where a veteran might move on and then you can take yeah. over? You still can't. That's the way the NFL works. No matter where you are, if someone saw you once and you're available, they'll come get you. That's the way the NFL works. Uh, we came and got Justin Duncan. I appreciate you. You coming in and doing yeah, this. Yeah, man. Good to be with you, man. Uh, Three Down Nation, check it out. Uh, it is uh, one of the preeminent football sites. Preeminent. In Canada. Ooh, I like it. Justin Dunk, Jesse Rubinoff, Tim McAuliffe. We'll continue with Tim and Friends. Leafs and Panthers coming up on Sportsnet Ontario. Nick Kiprios on the way. Plus, after the break, we head down to Milwaukee. Raptors get set for their meeting with the Bucks. Michael Grange joins us live from Milwaukee. Next, right here on Tim and Friends. Might disagree with Jesse too. Might disagree with Jesse. Welcome back after an overtime win at MSG. Yesterday afternoon, the Raptors are facing back to backs in Milwaukee against the Bucks. Back to back against the Bucks. Got a good and since you understood Giannis out again, missing his four straight with a knee injury. Raptor Central comes your way 7 p.m. Eastern, followed by the game on Sportsnet East Pacific and Sportsnet One. Michael Grain said to join us from Milwaukee, but before he joins us, Jesse Rubinoff, you whispered something to me during the break about going back on what we had talked about in the whisper. opening segment. I didn't whisper. Oh, you, you said it with your chest. I said it with authority. Yeah, you did say it with I your chest. I said it with authority. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would like to officially retract what I said about the Raptors. That if they go on a little bit of a spurt here? That if they go, that will change the direction of the organization. I don't think that's the case. And here's why I don't think that's the case. Okay. I did a little number crunching. We'll get to that in a second. But I think that Masai is smart enough to understand that the team as currently constructed is not good enough to probably challenge for anything more than a play-in. Okay? And the reason I say that, they're 29th in field goal percentage. Mm -hmm. I went back and looked at their championship season. They were 5th in field goal percentage that season. And then I went and looked back at the last 10 NBA champions. And all of those teams, and this is not to say that, you know, some of the other teams within the playoffs that year were not good shooting teams. There may have been teams that were not good shooting teams. But the teams that actually won were all in the top 10 in field goal percentage. And five times they were the best shooting team in the NBA. The point is, in this league to win, you heard Dwayne Casey used to say it all the time. This is a make or miss league. And the fact of the matter is, if you don't shoot the basketball properly with enough efficiency, mm -hmm. you're not going to win games, and you're not going to win games to the level that you need to compete in the later rounds in the NBA playoffs. And that you know, you know that that is Masai's end goal. Always. Always. And if he's just going to get into the play-in and lose a game or two, mm -hmm. that, that's not beneficial to him. He's not going to look at that as a success. So I don't think there's any situation really before the trade deadline, irrespective of how well they play, that will turn the tide of what I think is coming. Let me add to it. Mm -hmm. Historically, you don't win if you're not in the top 10 in defensive efficiency. Right. And for me, the most shocking thing about this year's edition of the Toronto Raptors is not how bad they shoot it, is not how bad they are in the half-court set. 
It is how bad they are defensively. And even in this little run over the last little while, I went through the stat pack, I crunched the numbers myself, and they're allowing their opponents to shoot over 49% even in this positive it's run. Shocking. That number. is a yeah. shocking number yeah. for not only this team, but this franchise. And currently they're 22nd in the league in defensive efficiency. And that comes while limiting their opponents to the lowest amount of possessions per game. So we agree. Ponder that for a moment. I think we agree, and I think Michael Grange agrees. He joins us now from Milwaukee. Michael, welcome back to Tim and Friends. I know we've had some technical difficulties along the way, but appreciate you finding a way to get we don't have them. It's okay. We can keep talking about the Raptors. We have lost Michael Grange despite those technical difficulties because we were trying to figure them out. Once we thought we had figured them out, yeah. we hadn't actually figured them out. So you and I will just figure this out on our own. Well, I mean, but Grange was just going to agree with us, so no, that's fine. Grange wrote a similar <laughs> column on sportsnet.ca yeah. a couple days ago where he crunched the math and what they've got to do and how they've got to do it on the road. And this is a, a big part of what we were talking about going into New York. They had an Eastern Conference low, five road wins mm -hmm. going into New York. And they get that win there. Scotty Barnes, center of attention. And I don't know if you've seen Grange's latest story. But I got it up on my computer here, Matt, if we're, uh, we're ad-libbing on my the fly. Goodness. Despite point guard intentions, Raptors Barnes sharp and focused as point center. And that's what I was talking about a little earlier in the show. I think the Raptors have switched gears here on what Scotty Barnes would be as a focal point. Mm -hmm. And instead of being the guy... and. If you remember, I talked to Nick Nurse at the start of the year, name drop, I'll pick it up later. And we talked about Scotty Barnes' usage going way up. Mm -hmm. And I think they tried him. I think they tried him as their point guard. I think they tried to use him in certain situations, and it didn't fit. And I think they kind of left it, went back to Pascal Siakam, and that's why you saw the frustrations, the lack of energy from Scotty Barnes. And what I've seen in the last three games, and you'll notice by the numbers, and not, and not just the point numbers, but notice the assist numbers as well, they're using Scotty Barnes in different situations to make him the focal point and see if they can't build around him to the level where you and I can get back to future Hall of Famer Scotty Barnes mm -hmm. tongue-in-cheek. Well, it just feels like that is a, a move you would make when it's been communicated from the top down that this is the direction that we want to take the organization, or at least to your point, we want to try and see if this is a direction that we can take the organization. Right? Because it's not, that's not something that I think that Nick Nurse decides on his own. That, okay, all of a sudden we're just going to start playing through Scotty more. Like, that feels like when it's a centerpiece of that magnitude, mm -hmm. the guy who potentially could be the future cornerstone of your organization, you know that's coming from up top. And they're saying get him more involved because oh, we need to see if he can do it. Yeah, we, we, that was confirmed. Right in the preseason that they were going to use Scotty Barnes more. Mm -hmm. I think the rejig, the refocus in the last little while as him as a point center as opposed to a point guard right. is the switch in philosophy. And I, I wrote something down. Sometimes I just, I, I'll have some thoughts, I'll put them on paper and I'll try and figure them out later. But since Michael Grange can't join us because of technical difficulties, mm -hmm. I'm gonna read kind of, this is just, Uncle Timmy's mind working, and I wrote it down, jotted it down. I want him to read for you what I jotted down. Or this is almost this is this is this is a window, right? Window into by the, Tim McCallum into the beautiful mind of <laughs> Uncle Timmy, trying to figure something out. Here's what I think happened this year: Scotty didn't come into the season with the piss and vinegar that he brought as a rookie, 
and the vets knew that there was some real urgency to this season because of their contracts. Scotty is 21 in his second year, and sometimes you have to have patience for a guy to figure it out. The whole team knows how good he can be and that he wasn't there to start. That doesn't mean he can't and or won't figure it out, as you've seen over the last three games. But all this talk about energy, and Scotty was front and center. But now that I've been around for a few years, sometimes young players just need to figure those kind of things out. And sometimes you need patience. Though I completely understand why some Raptors in the final year of what could be their deal or the second to last year of what could be the end of their deal wouldn't have that patience. And I think that's what you saw boil over with Thad Young and Scotty Barnes and what this team has tried to figure out this entire year. And I'm, I feel like they're starting to figure it out and it's too late. That was beautiful. When did you write that? Did you roll over in the middle of the night and that came to you and you put it on the notes on the iPhone? Figured if you know if we get stuck in a pickle, if you know the connection doesn't work with Michael Grange, <laughs> I'll just bust this no, sucker out. No, sometimes I write stuff down where I know it's unfinished, and I'll have to revisit it a little bit later. That's very author of you. And this was yeah. my unfinished notes of the day. Love it. And because Grange couldn't join us, I figured throw it out there. That was beautiful. See if you want to send it back. No, it's I'm okay with it. Credit to you. It was beautiful. Uh, after I don't know if it was beautiful. Is it right? That's window, window, by Tim McCaffrey. the break, <laughs> what is it with Sean McKenzie and Gene Principe? At the Brinks, plus Nick Kiprios in studio as we tee up the Leafs and the Panthers, the Oilers and the Kraken, discuss the Canucks issues, and do some smoke or fire. A busy final half hour, and we'll hope you'll stick around for it. Next, and Tim McCaffrey. Back here for the final half hour on Tim and Friends. Still to come, Nick Kiprios in studio. Some smoke, some fire, we'll hear it all. Plus, we'll hit the button, all the hot button topics in the NHL as we set up a big night of action in the league. We'll start with the Toronto Maple Leafs who host the Panthers. A game you can see regionally on Sportsnet Ontario. They're hot button topics, McAuliffe. Leafs haven't played since Saturday's tough loss in Boston and enter the night just two points up on the Lightning for second in the Atlantic. Meantime, the Panthers, reigning President's Trophy winners, sit 13 points behind the Leafs and four points out of a playoff spot, but have won two in a row, including a matinee game in Buffalo yesterday. With more from Scotiabank Arena, let's check in live with Sean McKenzie. Sean? Well, Tim, tonight is an interesting game for the Maple Leafs. Yes, the Florida Panthers are far from the team that we saw win the President's Trophy last year, but as Matthew Kachuk said just moments ago, they feel like they have found their identity. Five wins in their last seven games, and this is a team that we know has the offense, and if they turn it on, could be dangerous here down the stretch. The big question for the Maple Leafs is who will start a net. We now know that is Matt Murray. Now, for the most part, it was an even split so far throughout. It was Matt Murray, Ilya Samsonov, Murray having 18 starts so far, Samsonov having 17. Tonight, he'll go with Murray, and here's his reasoning as to why. Yeah, we liked this game the other day and also thought that um, 
you know, he uh, an opportunity to get right back in would be good for him. I've also been a little bit mindful of the fact here that you know, we're trying to increase his workload on home ice. He has he's had a lot of road games, uh, so getting him some some time in the net at home I think was be good. And we thought he did a really good job for us against Nashville when we were in here, and uh, now a chance to get right back at it again at home. It's an interesting decision from Keith because, as I mentioned, for the most part, it was a pretty even split. So could we see Murray maybe running away and taking that number one job or at least taking the 1A position? Well, we'll have to wait and see how Keith's usage is moving forward. A few other changes. Bobby McMahon draws back into the lineup for the Leafs. He's recovered from a flu. Pontus Holberg and Rasmus Sandin are nearing getting back from that flu. They did take part in the morning skate, but they won't go here. And Tim, I just have to make a, a comment. I, I like the dynamic that you and Jesse have going on. It looks like mm -hmm. you're going to smuggle some rum through Chicago, and Jesse looks like he's going to a Tiesto concert. <laughs> so I'm liking the dynamic you two are working with. A little different, a little weird, high-low, but nice. I dig it. I, I, I understand and appreciate coming from the fashionista that is Sean McKenzie. Appreciate you, homie. Be well. Thank you. And... Uh, might smuggle rum through Chicago. I have been to a Tiesto concert also. Or take so, a shot at Sean McKenzie. In Edmonton, the Oilers host the upstart Seattle Kraken. That's right, Oilers five points back of Seattle in the Pacific entering play. You can see this one, Sportsnet West, with more on a big night in Edmonton. How about Gene Principe? Gino? Tim, on November 8th in Tampa Bay, the Oilers squeaked out a 3-2 victory over the Lightning on the road in a big win. But within that big win was a really big loss. It was an injury to Evander Kane, and not just your sort of run-of-the-mill injury, a knee or a hip or an ankle. Instead, it was a wrist that was severed after an accidental skate on the part of Patrick Maroon went over Kane's exposed left wrist. It really was a gruesome injury and a very serious one. At the time, it was expected that the Oilers winger could be out three or more months but here we are just over two months since that happened. And as Edmonton gets set to take on Seattle, no official confirmation either way. But there is a chance, a pretty good chance, that Kane will play tonight here at Rogers Place. He comes to the rink every day with juice. Uh, he comes to the rink uh, with a passion for the game and his teammates. Um, you know, he's been traveling with us for quite some time because he likes being around our group um, and he provides energy. Certainly uh, brings a lot of elements to our, to our team um, on and off the ice. Um, um, yeah, we, we, we missed him, obviously. Um, you know, scary situation and glad he's doing good. And, you know, he's uh, put himself in a position to come back. And um, it's a good thing, good, good sign. Kane did not speak today, but did speak at length on Monday regarding the injury and admitted it won't be 100%, but in his mind, he felt prepared to return to the lineup after a meeting he had scheduled with the Oilers team doctors. As for the Oilers themselves, they will certainly get a big boost of having Kane in the lineup tonight if he returns. Jay Woodcroft said about his uh, big, hulking, multi-dimensional winger is that when he's in the building, you know it. He'll be in the building tonight, Tim. We'll wait to see, though, if he's on the ice. Jaden Gino and Montreal, an all-Canadian matchup as the Habs host the Jets. Nick Ehlers will play for the Jets after missing the morning skate, while the Habs with a flurry of injury news. Joel Armia, Jake Evans, Yuri Slavkovsky, all going on the injured reserve today. All of them sidelined indefinitely. Thank 
Sean Monahan, LTIR, as the Habs hit second from the bottom in the Eastern Conference. In Vancouver, Pank. Canucks' next game is tomorrow as they host the Lightning. Yesterday, President Jim Rutherford held an interesting press conference, to say the least. Uh, very open about all the issues facing the team. He said Bruce Boudreaux is the team's coach right now, not exactly shutting down the speculation that he is gone soon. Boudreaux asked today how he shuts out all the noise. Well, I don't read or watch anything. Just I try to stay to myself and, you know, come to work and just do what I do and, uh, just to, and go about my business. Except for wrestling. I know he watches wrestling. Big wrestling. Uh, quickly to baseball, Jays given their media a tour of the ongoing renovations oh. at the Rogers Center today. Fan friendly changes. We'll see new outfield neighborhoods for fans to hang out, plus an updated West Jack flight deck and more group spaces. New fan locations include the Corona rooftop patio in the 500 level with a great view of the city. The Park Social also in the 500s. The stop in center field, the 100 level catch bar. Sounds like a lot of places to drink. Uh, the stadium upgrades and redesign, we'll, sorry that's just me. We'll also see changes to the outfield walls and dimensions. The renovations are on track to be completed for the Jays home opener April 11th with more upgrades to come next season. A noted NHL insider and Blue Jays fan, Nick Kiprios in the studio. You like yes, what you see there, buddy? I really do. Yeah? Yeah, it's uh, getting me excited. It's starting to feel like, and whenever I go to a ballpark in the States, and I, I like to go to a lot of different ballparks, the, the congregation areas, and I'm not just saying to drink kind of funny because I don't drink all that much but the areas to go where you can kind of watch the game and kind of just shoot the breeze that's what Rogers Center was missing and that's what they're adding I'm staying home tonight so I can focus on the game on TV tonight because every time I go to a Leaf game yeah. I end up not watching right so this is a bit of a danger area here <laughs> in terms of right. going there and actually missing good portions of the game but that's where I think fans are gonna have to balance that out but yeah. you're right I mean you start socializing right and the next thing you know it's like who hit that who hit that yeah. <laughs> but this is my here's my point is that when it's 11-2 no longer do you have to do the wave to entertain yourself you can go out to one of these spots <laughs> and have a drink or two. I want to see an, uh, an outfielder fall into the stands on, on, a, on a fly ball. That, to me, yeah. has been a, a missing element uh, uh, all these years. Well, the wall, I don't know if the walls are going down. Aren't the seats coming down almost right to, but I to think level? I, I think that's where the, yeah, I know what you're saying, but I think that's still going to be a high wall. All right. All right. Uh, let's let, let's talk about the Leafs and the Panthers because sure. uh, they are tangling on Sportsnet Ontario tonight. It, is Matt Murray the number one? Is that what I know? You had this conversation yesterday. Yesterday, yeah. on the real Kipper and yeah. Bourne. Uh, is that what it feels like to you? It, it has to be leaning towards that way, and uh, both of them obviously not getting the amount of starts that they would have liked uh, without injuries. Uh, but it really is starting to me uh, lending towards two out of three for Matt Murray here and, and focusing on all along what we knew that this guy had the experience. Uh, didn't seem that rattled to go into Boston Saturday night. We can question maybe a couple of those goals, but the start that he gave him, the save that they get, he gave the Leafs, what, a minute and a half in off of Brad Marchand shows that uh, he's, he's got the experience to, to do it again as he did for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and that's what the Leafs had hoped all along when they signed him. 
Uh, I'm not kidding. I watch and listen to you guys all the time. And Jesse and I actually stole a topic from you yesterday <laughs> because we were talking about the physicality of that game yeah. against the Boston Bruins. And I know a lot of Leaf fans were wondering how it would go. And the point about Simmons, by the way, having to go in there and fight was well taken. I know a lot of guys that would say, yeah, ya, to that. Here, yeah, no problem. I'll just suit up for this game and go in and fight one of the biggest guys in the league in Nick Foligno. But, but let, me just, let me just hammer home on the physicality part of this because there's a lot of people that think that they should add physicality and there are some <laughs> that think that there's not enough out there for them to add. You, you know the Leaf fans are going, hold on for a second. A defenseman, a top six forward, and now you're telling me someone that uh, can back up a guy like Wayne Simmons. And you're right. Uh, and uh, I certainly felt that Saturday night that, you know, on a limited basis for Wayne Simmons to come in and be a part-time player for the Toronto Maple Leafs and play on average every two weeks and to come out and have that juice to, to go out there and do it, um, I think speaks volumes of him. The one thing that I, I, I felt instantly as a player that's been in that position before is that who's next that can carry that momentum? And that's where it kind of falls off the cliff. Yeah. Is after Wayne Simmons, you're going uh, Kerfoot, no, uh, uh, Engville, no. Yeah. Uh, uh, and who uh, can do it who's coming in, who's just brand new. Yeah. Is he the next guy? Is it, uh, is it the fourth line with Aston Reese? That's where it really falls off. And when you watch a team like Boston, uh, there's more layers to it when it's needed. And it's an element that's been proven in the playoffs to help with longevity. Without a doubt. Uh, all right, uh, last one before we get to smoke or fire, and that is the return of, of Evander Kane in Edmonton. How big can this be for a team that kind of needs yeah. a little bit of juice? Since I, we're talking I think, juice? Uh, I, I think uh, Jay Woodcroft touched on that. Yeah. Uh, that, that there's, there's an aura with players uh, that follow them no matter where they are, even walking into a restaurant, and right. you can just feel the intensity and, and what that guy can, can bring any room and that's what he's going to bring. Is he 100%? No, probably far from it. But he still carries that clout and that reputation that I think is going to be a shot in the arm for the Edmonton Oilers. They still have issues on that blue line. But with Kane, I think that they can be as good as anybody up front uh, with McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Nugent Hopkins, who's having a terrific year. Yeah, Zach is. Hyman's come full value. Add in Kane. They're fine up front. Now, if they can layer it a little bit on the back end, yeah. they can compete in the Western Conference. All right, time now for our weekly segment where I Let's give go. Kipper some rumors and some notes that I've been hearing from in and around the National Hockey League to see if there's anything to them. We call it smoke or fire. It's pretty simple. Smoke means not much there. Did, did, was there, did you push a little smoke and fire on yesterday's show with the NFL? Did you cheat on me? I did, <laughs> I did cheat on you a little bit. You know why, Kipper? Because the segment's just too good. <laughs> okay. Just too good. Here we go. Uh, fire means it's legit. Kipper, are you ready to go? Ready to go. All right, Canada, you better be ready. Uh, I read that Pierre-Luc Dubois in the offseason yeah. was linked to the city of Montreal repeatedly. He yeah. is having a pretty damn good year. 49 points in 44 games with the Habs hosting the Jets tonight. Any chance that as an RFA this summer, he could end up in La Belle Provence? Full blaze. Really? Yeah, full, full blaze. blaze. Full blaze. That's a not first. just smoke, yeah, not, not just not, fire. Not. First time full blazing, blaze. Blazing fire here. He is not staying in Winnipeg long term. There is nothing that can change his mind from what I am hearing. The 
uh, a great surprise for Winnipeg to be challenging in the Western Conference and competing. That is the only reason right now that Pierre-Luc Dubois isn't at the top of a lot of the insiders list for being traded. Mm. If they were on the outside looking in, he'd be right there with Bo Horvat as a guy that's going to move. He does not want to be there long term. I don't think that there's anything that the Winnipeg can, Jets can do, including winning a Stanley Cup that could change his mind. Remember wow. a few years ago when I came on your show and we talked about Barry Trotz? Mm -hmm even winning the Stanley Cup in Washington and the sense is he's not coming back. And you were bang on in that. This is the this is a, a, this is a similar situation. Got to cool down. Now for Winnipeg okay. fans yeah, that are Blake. yeah that are that are kind of fired up here. He's an RFA so they can yeah. still get something for him even after the season. He's not going anywhere. Uh, they see the window here. Shovel Dayoff sees the window right. and, and they're going to try to add. And uh, if anything you're going to reassess what happens moving forward, and you're going to decide whether or not at the, at the NHL draft if that may be the best time right. to move Pierre-Luc Dubois. And if it's not, then he goes on his one-year deal, and you hope that uh, uh, you can move him before the trade deadline next year. All right, so speaking of the trade deadline this year, we've discussed many times the Sens looking for a defenseman. Uh, they were in on Jacob Chikrin, now reportedly targeting... Matt Dumba. However, Ottawa lost four of five, uh, including eight, four, and seven nothing losses, and are 25th in the NHL in standings. Usually, that doesn't mean you're a buyer. Yeah. Smoke or fire, though, the Senators are buyers at this deadline. Yeah, I I put it to smoke here. Okay. Uh, a couple of factors is that we really don't know where we are with the the sale of the team, and when assets come in. Uh, prices change on the sale and what would be the expectation on a long-term commitment to Dumba they aren't going to play meaningful games as uh, this guy uh, the general manager Pierre Dorian had, had thought uh, going right. into February March so is is there a chance that uh, you know they can pull something out of their hat in the next little while not based on what I've seen after a year of looking for a defenseman right. so where does it get stronger as they distance themselves out of the playoffs here? I, I, I have this as smoke. All right. I got two more for you, and one of them is a lot of people have been talking about Eric Carlson as a defenseman that may be picked up at the deadline that can immediately help a team. Yeah. Reports suggest the Sharks are looking for three first-round picks in return for the star D-man. Smoke or fire, three first rounds is a realistic return for Eric Carlson. Yeah, I have that as smoke as well. Yeah. Uh, he's a great player again and a dominant player again. Uh, but there's still factors here moving forward uh, on how good he's going to be uh, for the next few years. So I think it's one of those situations where I, I focus less on the return of draft choices. And ultimately, I focus on how much San Jose is going to hold off on the remaining of that contract. There is some talk of what, yeah, 15, 18%. Keep going for yeah. this guy. If you want move. three first round picks, you gotta get to like 50. I would I would say that would, would be an accurate uh, assessment of where you need to go to make a deal of this magnitude on a guy that many still 
compete. Many, many teams out there still think that there's a, a level of damaged goods that come with the trade, no matter how good Eric Carlson is. Yeah, and he's been pretty damn good this year. Right? Last one is not hockey related, but I still got to ask you, speaking of smoke or fire, this from the Bills-Dolphins game on Sunday, Mike McDaniel, Kipper, is he vaping on the sidelines of a National Football League game? You know what? Uh, right now, I got to be honest with you. The video is inconclusive. Okay. I, 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 I gotta say, right now, if I'm not 100% sure, can't go with it. All right, Jesse, so you you're seem to be. You're, you, hold on. I'm gonna present a little more no evidence. Some visual. That's the only visual evidence that we have yeah. of Mike McDaniel and whether or not he was actually vaping on an NFL sideline. But I'm going to give to you some halftime and post-game clips, and maybe there was a little something-something in whatever the hell he was putting in his mouth. What was the message in the locker room, and how do you finish this one off? The message is how we got here is handling our emotions. Uh, we have great resolve, a team that doesn't quit, and uh, more of that should produce good dividends. Um, some, uh, some... No? Uh, issues within the huddle of communication. Hi, can I take your order? Hello? Oh, hey. <laughs> oh, so, Wait, I... what was the question? <laughs> Let me guess. One driving high combo, extra baked? No. I don't know how that last clip got in there, Kevin. I don't know how the last clip. Oh, he's baked. <laughs> All right. Time for one last break. Kipper sticking around for game time. Ahead of Hockey Central, Leafs Panthers on Sportsnet Ontario. Coming up what next. What was that? <laughs> Did it not? All right. Yeah, that's a lot of smoke. He's good what, <laughs> what was that? Game day starts right here on Tim and Friends. Here's what game day looks like today. Leafs Panthers is regionally Sportsnet Ontario Hockey Central. Gets you set minutes from now across the network. We've also got the Kraken and the Oilers regionally on Sportsnet West. While the Raptors and Bucks comes your way. Sportsnet East Pacific nationally on Sportsnet One. Can they go back to back New York and Milwaukee? One well, it's game time. It's another busy night in the uh, world of sports. I want to get you caught up on what's going on. Um, let's begin with tennis here. Canadians Felix Oje Aliassime, Denis Shapovalov, and Bianca Andreescu will all play their second round matches at the Australian Open tonight. Last night, Leila Fernandez advanced with a straight sets victory. And Kipper, we know, of course, you're a big sports fan. Uh, do you ever stay up late watching the U.S. Open? Yes. Aussie Open? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. As you get a little late it's, night viewing, yeah? It's, like it's, it's, it's watchable stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it is. I was into Layla. Like, I was like, I was kind of sort of a, that's a good first round win for her. I, I was the same with you. She's like, got to stay healthy. Isn't that not the big thing the last few years? Both. Layla and Bianca. Yeah. yeah. Stay healthy. And it looks like, knock on wood, two impressive first round wins for them. Maybe you're running here? Well, I have to say, despite you staying up late to watch the Aussie Open, your performance today has not suffered at all. So, oh, I appreciate that. Yes. Uh, all right, the Oilers host Tim's favorite team, the Seattle Kraken, tonight. <laughs> Jack Campbell will make his fourth straight start after picking up wins in each of the last three games. Tim, you said a few times that you thought Campbell would go on a roll at some point this season. Are we seeing this? 
All right, I'm going to present some evidence to you, Mr. Nick Kiprios. You tell me whether or not this is Jack Campbell warming. Since December 31st, which coincides with some new pads, yeah. a little taller, a little stiffer, a new chest protector, a bigger upper body. <laughs> Here are the numbers. Seven games, four and two in those seven, some of it relief. A 2-0-2 goals against and a 9-10 save percentage. We've seen Jack Campbell get hot for stretches in Toronto, is he starting to warm in Edmonton? Well, it, 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 he's not as bad as uh, what we've seen. So if he can come in and hold a legitimate 908, 9-10, 9-12, I, I think he's going to be fine. Factor in that they need to make one or two more moves at the at the trade deadline on D. Yeah. That will in itself bring him up. So I, I think there is some, some light uh, at the end of the tunnel here for, for Jack Campbell. I, I don't know if he's going to give him real legitimate top five goaltending, yeah. but if he can hold his own at, at that save percentage, I think he'll be fine. Not fire, but warming, Jesse. Yes. Warming. Long way to go before it's a full blaze. That is for sure. <laughs> yeah. The Panthers and Leafs coming up on Sportsnet Ontario. In his first season with the Panthers, Matthew Kuchuk leads the team in goals, points, and penalty minutes. No surprise there. And he's currently riding a seven-game point streak. Leafs suspension. Mark Giordano was teammates with Kachuk for five seasons in Calgary. And Giordano was asked about him earlier today. I mean, I think you, you got to play him hard, and he's going to agitate. You got to try and agitate him back. You know, he works his uh, works his game in, in practice around the net all the time. His tips and touches and stuff like that. So he's extremely good at it. And. Uh, um, and then he's obviously uh, a guy who can make plays all over the ice. So um, he's uh, he's a uh, he's a lot to handle out there. But uh, we got to play him hard. We got to take away uh, take away his time and space, and uh, and uh, not let him you know start feeling it in the offensive zone. Cause that's where he's at his best. Was there one player that you didn't like playing against or hated? Use the word hated. There's like two or three every night, every team, <laughs> right? Yeah. That's a good answer. Um, Billy Guerin always drove me nuts against New Jersey. Uh, but, listen. Like, uh, what was it? Not give up, just a pain in the ass. Oh, just so big not, and heavy. Right. And, you know, he didn't even know how strong he was. Right. Mm. Just like one little bump and you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> um, That's annoying. Matthew Kachuk kind of brings in that same element where he plays dumb all the time. He knows exactly what he's doing out on the ice yeah. all the time. Yeah. Must must win tonight for Florida. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're, they're struggling a little bit. Yeah, let's stay with the Panthers. The other big acquisition this season was head coach Paul Maurice. However, Maurice has been facing a lot of criticism as of late with the team currently out of the playoff picture after winning the President's Trophy last season. But today, Kachuk was singing the praises of his head coach. You know, he's been unbelievable to, to play for here. He's uh, probably the coach that's been hardest on me and what he expects from me and and uh, I love that and he's been sorry and he's been really uh, really fun to play for and I think uh, the guys love it and uh, practice are practices are intense he expects a lot out of us he said that you, you're harder on him than any coach he's ever had yeah, oh. yeah so jeez <laughs> <laughs> he said he's hard <laughs> oh, he's bad right wow <laughs> he said he likes it though. he said he likes it okay he it. I don't know what to say about that because I I've become a kinder, gentler person. I tr- truly. There's a problem. He's not talking to 19 other guys. Because <laughs> Kachuk's not their problem right now. No, and he played for Daryl Sutter. <laughs> think, yeah. think about that. That's is he, part of the is he to blame for what's going on in Florida? 
Who's that? Palmares? No, 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 absolutely not. Uh, he got uh, the, the, the deck stacked against him um, in terms of uh, no blue line, uh, no key saves, $15 million in a, in a salary cap going to a below average goaltending. Uh, no first rounders coming up in the next three years. Mm -hmm. Florida's a mess. He didn't cuss there, did he? If he did, uh, I'll apologize on behalf of Paul Maurice. I'm not sure if he cussed there or not. That does it for us, kids. Uh, his team might make him cuss tonight. It's Leafs and Panthers from Toronto. David Amber and the crew are next.